0: This is 50 Feminist States, a road-tripping storytelling podcast visiting all 50 U.S. states to interview feminist activists and artists about their work for gender justice. I'm Amelia Fruby, and this week we're on the ancestral lands of the Apache, Badai, Kohiltakan, Kado, Comanche, Humano, Karankawa, Kiowa, Kitsai, Tawakoni, Tonkawa, and Wichita peoples of Texas.
1: From the
2: glaciers of Alaska to the dunes of Indiana, I want 50 feminist states From the waves of New Hampshire to skies of Montana i want on 50 feminist states And when you hear the call you know so well Sisters out.
0: Hi, 50 Feminist States fans. Amelia here. Thanks so much for tuning back into the podcast. We are halfway through season five. And this week, I'm talking to Tara Brooke and Gina Giordano of Doula Trainings International and Born Into This in Austin, Texas. Before we dive into that conversation, got a couple of my normal updates for you. The first is that if you are not hearing from 50 Feminist States in your inbox, I would love to send you our bi-monthly-ish newsletter. You can sign up for that at 50feministstates.com slash newsletter, and you'll be the first to know about new episodes, special initiatives, and all sorts of fun feminist things going on in the background of the podcast. You can sign up for those at 50feministstates.com slash newsletter. I also, I want to give a shout out to and thank the five new patrons who have supported us during season five on our Glow FM page. If you would like to become a monthly donor to the podcast, you can pledge just $5 a month at glow.fm slash 50 feminist states and help us cover the ongoing costs of the podcast. We spend a few hundred dollars a year keeping the podcast and the website online. And with this great pause that we're all in. It's really put a pause on our normal funding schedule. So this money really helps us keep the podcast up for your listening pleasure until we can go back out on the road again. So you can support the podcast at glow.fm slash 50 feminist states. If $5 a month is not a strain on your budget, we would love for you to consider sharing and supporting. If it is, you're amazing. And we're so glad you're here listening. Today's episode, as I mentioned, features Gina Giordano and Tara Brooke of Doula Trainings International and Born Into This. They founded Doula Trainings International, or DTI, back in 2011 in order to create a comprehensive doula curriculum that would link reproductive health, birth, and postpartum doula trainings to certified doulas for life. Their goal was to offer a range of courses and certifications that would make doula training more inclusive and accessible to everyone, and nine years later, their community is over 80,000 people strong. Tara and Gina's commitment to social and reproductive justice also led them to start the nonprofit Born Into This. Through Born Into This, they host conversations, workshops, and activations that are centered around the question, what were you born into? They're committed to the idea that the body is political, the body is mine, the body is a system, and they want to help us understand the ways that reproductive health is a matter of our physical, mental, and social selves. I love the conversation we had, and we cover so much in the next 35 minutes. Tune in for the whole episode, and you're going to hear about why Gina and Tara started these organizations, what a doula is exactly, how birth disparities connect to health disparities why it's necessary that abortion care be accessible to all during all times, and we're going to talk about how COVID-19 has really activated so many doulas around rethinking what doula care means. This is an amazing conversation for anyone who's been born. That's all of us, and I am so glad that you're tuned in. Let's go ahead and get started. Here's Gina and Tara.
1: My name is Tara Brooke. I'm the co-creator of Doula Trainings International, often referred to as DTI, as well as Born Into This. Both of those organizations are centered around reproductive health and justice. I'll let you introduce yourself too, Gina. I don't want to just ramble on.
2: (laughs) Hi, I'm Gina Giordano, and I'm the other co-creator of DTI and Born Into This. And I've also been a birth worker for about 15 years. And yeah, like Tara said, our work is really the foundation of reproductive health and justice and how that intersects with creativity and being a leader in this space in all forms.
0: Wonderful. Could both of you maybe share kind
3: of briefly the story of what brought you into birth work and reproductive justice work?
1: This is Tara. I started as a birth worker about 20 years ago. I was fresh out of College and working at a sexual health clinic in Philadelphia at the time as a sexual health counselor. And I had a nurse practitioner who I worked closely with who pointed out the fact that my eyes would light up whenever I worked with pregnant people. And I'm forever grateful for that because I actually didn't, I wasn't sitting in that in the moment. It really was pointed out to me. And that night I immediately went home and started doing some research about what it would be like to spend time at a birth or what kind of careers I could (laughs) create centered around birth and found out what a doula was. And I didn't know what that word was. I think that word still is kind of mysterious today to a lot of people. And I quickly, probably within like a month or two, found a doula training. I went to a doula training. And when I was sitting in that training, I knew right then and there that it was something I would be doing for a long time, even without experiencing birth myself or ever attending a birth. And through the next 10 years of my career, going to births and working with new families through that transition, I could see how there were so many injustices, how, you know, anywhere from whether we're talking about health and maternal and infant disparities based on the color of your skin, or if you were talking about gender disparities in the home and what happened through becoming a parent. And that was fascinating to me. And so I think after about 10 years, the lens was really carved out. And when I thought about training doulas, I I knew that there needed to be so much more conversation around that.
2: Yeah. And I have a very, this is Gina. I have a very similar story in the beginning to Tara in the sense that Someone told me about doula work, and I had never heard the word. This was 15 years ago, and I was fresh out of college, not really knowing what was next for myself, but I'm the oldest of five kids, and so I kind of grew up in that role of being a nurturer, and my mom was always pregnant or nursing, and it was just birth, and the postpartum time was always very normalized in my house for me. And it was something that I always was very fascinated by. So when someone told me about doula work, I was just kind of like, all right, I'll take a training and see how this goes. And was just fell in love instantly. And I think for me, what really captivated my attention was how this process, this, you know, birth process plays a role in all elements of our life. And reproductive health just kind of started to unfold for me. I was 22 when I started dual work. So I was really young, didn't have any kids yet. And I was just fascinated with how people transform in all areas of reproductive health, whether it's through period tracking or through birth itself or beyond. It's just like, I was really, really interested in watching that kind of really just take shape and I was also really interested in how everyone approached it so differently and how families function in such different ways and so that for me was really kind of what piqued my interest immediately and I quickly fell into doing a lot of postpartum support. I think that really is where my heart of the work is at and then like Tara said her and I met really early on about 15 years ago right at the beginning of my doula career we started to notice the gaps in doula trainings and then what doulas were needing to support people. And then also the conversations that just weren't happening around reproductive health. It was very much focused on birth and home birth and natural birth and whatever that means to some people, Mm -hmm. (laughs) unmedicated birth and vaginal birth and those things. So it was really like we were taught one thing, but we started to notice other things. And so it became very apparent to us that we wanted to change the language around birth. We wanted to change the idea of what reproductive health really means for everybody. And also focusing on what doulas need from the beginning. They need support and mentoring from each other and they need business building skills. And then also really the foundation of approaching this work through the lens of justice and how that plays a role in everything. So that was really 10 years into my time as a doula is when Tara and I came together and thought, what if we created a training entity that really taught all of these things from the beginning? And that's how DTI was created. And we really just wanted to train doulas in our living room and you know, just have fun having these conversations. And two years into it, it was very clear that this, this was something bigger.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: So something that strikes me in what both of you said about your journey to creating DTI and beyond is that both of you talked about kind of when you learned what a doula was, not being totally sure what that word entailed. And I I find this is still pretty common. And it seems to me like part of the work that's happened in birth work communities or in people who are interested in reproductive justice in this way has been to kind of expand that word to mean even more things. And so I'm wondering if you could share a little bit for people listening who maybe aren't familiar with what a doula is, like, how would you answer that question? What is a doula?
2: Mm, That's a good one. And it's one of my favorite questions out there. Because like Tara said, you know, 20 years ago, people really didn't know the word doula, we didn't know the word doula. Mm -hmm. And I remember I I lived in New York City and I would like go out with friends and I was in my 20s and we would like meet up at a restaurant afterwards and people would be like, what do you do? And I would say doula and they're like, like a midwife. And I'm just like, no. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, So it's really like we've watched it kind of evolve over time. The definition of the word doula is kind of like a helper. This is actually kind of a big conversation in the birth world now is you know just it's very gender focused it's like a female helper and that's that you know right now that's kind of being like stripped down and thought about in a new way but that is like where this word was created and it really is somebody who is there to be a continuous support person in a non-judgmental way at DTI we believe that doulas are advocates and we're there to advocate for families and help them advocate for themselves. And it's someone who's really there to offer support and options in a way that like is full spectrum and like not coming at it with ideas of how things should go. So again, like the word doula, when you said that 20 years ago, people thought, oh, you go to births. And now I think people are being doulas in all elements of the reproductive health spectrum. So there are abortion doulas. There are period doulas. There are birth doulas, postpartum doulas, and there are death doulas. It really is kind of opening up in this really big way. And I think at DTI, we talk a lot about like taking this idea of what doulas are and do out of the box and deconstructing it and putting it back together. And it's been really fascinating to see what the doulas we've trained over the last 10 years, how they're approaching this. One of my favorite examples of that right now is there is a doula in San Francisco who their business is really to doula children who are trans and in elementary school and like learning how to go about that in their life. So they're like, this person is dueling these children in this way. And I think it's so
1: beautiful and inspiring. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that when we think about The work of a doula, you know, in its simplest form, it's someone who can support you, any person, through a process where advocacy and love really is needed in that moment. A helper who can not lead you towards a decision, but lead you to the resources and evidence based information to make the best decision for yourself.
3: I love that definition. Thank you both for sharing your thoughts on that. And I really was excited to hear them. I think in that first episode of the podcast, I mentioned where I interviewed two doulas. One was a woman who attended births in a birthing center in Nebraska and the other as a trans man who worked as an abortion doula. And I thought just, I learned so much from them about everything doulas could be. And it's exciting to hear from from you kind of about the role that doulas can play in so many different circumstances. I'm wondering if you could share a little more now that we've kind of talked through what is a doula? How did you both get started? Can you tell me about DTI and maybe what it was in the beginning and how it's grown since then? Sure.
1: So DTI is a place where those who want to work in birth and reproductive health advocacy through being a doula, or a childbirth educator can come to get the education and the support of an organization with like-minded individuals. I think that certification is very useful for someone to opt into who feels like having an organization that they can lean on and get continued education is optimal. But not everyone has to be a certified DTI doula to call themselves a DTI doula. And I like to say that out loud for parents who are looking to hire doulas because you don't have to be certified in the U.S. to work as a doula. And you can be an amazing doula and not be certified. We offer both training and certification and then we offer a professional community for those who who want to grow with the organization and have other doulas that they know are looking through the lens of reproductive justice along with them.
2: I think something else that stands out for DTI is that we approach things going back to that full spectrum reproductive health. We have a birth training and a postpartum training online, but we do The biggest reason folks come to us is to take our full spectrum training, which starts with reproductive health, with, you know, hormones and period tracking and just all things reproductive health goes into birth and then goes into postpartum and then goes into like perimenopausal, menopausal stuff. So we really have those conversations from beginning to end in terms of reproductive health. And a lot of folks are called to that.
1: I think that DTI as an organization um, stands out because a lot of our values from the beginning have been very different than other organizations. So we've been very forthright in sharing that, you know, we believe that people are the experts of their own experiences. So when they tell us who they are, we believe them, which leads us to autonomy, right? And so that's Mm -hmm. true for doulas that work with us and train with us. And that's true for the clients that we're serving. We also evolve very quickly. (laughs) Um, If you took a training with us six years ago, it's not the same training that you're taking today. And that happens every year or two. We have some radical changes. And that's why we've created a membership so that we don't ask that our doulas necessarily recertify, but that they can just get these updates automatically. Because I feel like whenever you're talking about social justice, things are changing quickly. And, you know, people are dying. And you have to understand what's changing state by state, you have to stay active in your communities and really be able to go to a source to get those updates or language shifts, right? Words that we used 10 years ago are not the words that we stand behind today. And so mm-hmm. DTI has really, been at the forefront of making changes quickly for the communities we're serving as well as the profession we want to see grow.
2: Yeah, we really love listening to people and like just keeping an ear out to those things that are changing quickly, listening to those stories and then implementing it with ourselves, with our team at DTI and how we work and with our doulas who we train and then the families that we work with.
3: Yeah, I think that that's so exciting and important and something I'm hearing in there is just really the way that your organization and yourselves are living out those reproductive justice values, which I think are so important. I've talked to other people working in reproductive justice about autonomy and authority over our own bodies. And Mm -hmm. I love that you centered listening in that, which I think is so important. And that you talked about updating these things. It was exciting To me, even just like looking at the reading list on your full spectrum trainings, I mean, there are books in there that came out last year. Mm -hmm. And I, as an educator, anytime I see any curriculum that's that recent, I'm always impressed because I know how easy it is to just recycle material for a very long time. So those are just all ways of saying that I think it's, it's really impressive and exciting the work you're doing in trainings at DTI. How does your nonprofit born into this relate to that work, or how did that get started? What's the story there?
1: Well, I just wanted to say first, if we could pause, thank you. (laughs) Not literally pause, (laughs) but just go back to what you were saying. Thank you for looking at the reading list, because I will say that we get a lot of questions from people. And when I say we, I mean like the organization gets contacted with a lot of questions with people saying, you know, who do I train with? And sometimes these people don't understand yet that we are a training organization. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But I try to always encourage our whole team, like, you know, of course, we want to sell our organization, I get that. But point people to the reading list, because it is so telling. And for any listeners that are considering becoming a doula, See which reading lists either surprise you and have things on them you haven't already read, or readings that really resonate with you, because you can learn so much more from what's on the reading list than like reading even someone's mission statement that mm-hmm. they may or may not follow. And I think there's a ton of work that goes into changing the reading list often. And, you know, it does reflect whether an organization is listening to their membership hiring, who's on their team, right? Because those are the people that are making the decisions about that reading list, and it'll give you way more information than anything else. (laughs) So I'm thrilled (laughs) that you said all that. (laughs) (laughs) And it's such a good pivot into Born Into This
2: as well, is like what excites us. There's a lot that excites us in this work, obviously, but this is one of them is really digging and doing the research on who's doing the work now and who is like leaving this space and who is spearheading change in their area. I think that there are so many amazing people doing this work and in the birth world, it tends to get pretty repetitive. You know, Tara and I spent years going to conferences. Um, It was one of our favorite things to do was travel to wherever the conference was going to be so we could hang out with other birth workers and really get a break from being off call and just kind of skip town and enjoy a little trip. But we noticed it was the same people there over and over again who were speaking and presenting. And we were going back home to New York and seeing so many amazing folks that are doing such big work that we're not getting that attention and that platform to share those ideas. And so we love reinventing the reading list and we love looking for new books and reading them. And when, you know, people reach out to us all the time at DTI it's like, I just came across this book and you should check it out for your reading list. That's really how this idea of born into this was created. Mm -hmm. And, you know, over the years of doing DTI, we've noticed that conversation among birth workers can be really powerful. And we wanted to make a space for that to happen. We wanted to make a space for new leaders to come and promote their work and talk about what they're doing so other folks could hear them go back to their communities and make those changes as well and implement those ideas And it really, like, we sat there for years and we're like, what does this space look like? How can we come together and have these conversations? And we played with different ideas of, like, retreats and workshops and gatherings. But we went back to those conference-going days and we were like, what if we reinvent what a birth conference could look like or a reproductive health conference look like? And that was really the beginning of Born Into This. It was kind of taking that playful idea of, finding leaders in this space and coming together in a space that we can talk about issues of justice and we can talk about creativity and we can talk about technology and the passion that goes behind birth work and how that all comes together at the center and how can we all like be in the same space and have those talks together. So it started out as a conference. It was three years ago this year in September will be our third conference And it has since then grown into other things. And it is now a nonprofit officially. And so we're like bridging all the things we've done in the past at DTI with the current things we're doing at Born Into This.
1: I think too, you know, the conference question really started when we were naming it. It's like, well, what were you born into? Because all of us are coming from geographical locations that are different from demographics that are different, from socioeconomics that are different, from the color of our skin that is different. And you know, you can go on and on. Our stories are all so unique. Some of our stories, most of our stories, really affect the way we live every single day and the care we're receiving or how we identify or the body that we live in and how that body is perceived. And we knew through our work in birth work that we have to learn more about our bodies before we have to fight for them. And how do we start to implement this education more so and earlier? And I think from a programming standpoint, it made sense to start a conference where we could get together, use the platform that was built, center other people that have not been for a very long time in the birth community and maybe meet our mission a lot sooner. You know, we wanted to reach younger people, which we are now starting to do, and we also wanted to reach parents. So the first conference that we did was really centered for birth workers. And we brought in people that were creating technology, you know, mostly in women's health care that may or may not have talked to a lot of women before they created things. <laughs> you know, Gina and I would go to a lot of other conferences and realize that there were a bunch <laughs> of like white old men talking yeah. about the cesarean rates and how they were collecting data on how to lower it. And like all of the things that they were saying were not really what we were seeing. And so it was like, okay, well, we need to talk about technology because the people that are creating these things, like we're not a part of that conversation and we have so much to share. So you know, we pulled the, the technology piece in, we needed to talk to parents because I felt like, Birth workers are all learning and growing and innovating. But at the same time, you know, we can all kind of nod our heads at what's going on when we're in these conversations. And we do need to get this information out to parents, too. And like, why not have parents a part of this conversation? This year, we're going to have a workshop for kids about being anti-racist. Like, why not have these conversations with children? So each year, we are unfolding and figuring out new ways to reach the people that we're trying to make the change for and at the same time growing our profession.
3: Yeah, I think one of the most exciting things for me, kind of even just reviewing the website was seeing that Born Into This, right on the front page, you say it's for parents, creatives, birth professionals, and leaders to explore reproductive health. And it's kind of a grouping of people that I hadn't seen reproductive health addressed to in that way. I'm so familiar with it in terms of either saying like reproductive health is, is for women or reproductive health is for moms or parents. Often it's so gendered and if it's not gendered, it's likely directed toward people who are giving birth or have given birth or becoming parents. So I love the mission of kind of really seeing just this very holistic, full spectrum approach to reproductive health. And and then just looking at some of the things that are happening at the conferences too, like conversations about gender, conversations about sexuality that maybe I wouldn't have traditionally attached to doulas, but are becoming a part of that process that you're talking about, the way that doulas work as advocates for people in all these different areas of their of their lives so I think it's really exciting to see how how that's shaping in your own story of how that's grown for me in conference for birth workers to so many other people who it seems obviously relevant to and for we all have uh I don't want to say that that's not quite the way I want to say that but it's important to all of us and so how do we how do we learn about it and this seems like a really great great way for that to happen
2: yeah and I think Tara said it well, too, is like, we have to learn our bodies before we have to fight for them. And we really believe that reproductive rights is a human right. And it really, it involves everyone. And that's why we love to hear from everyone I've born into this, and including men. I think men need to start having these conversations, and it can somewhat become an echo chamber in a bunch of birth workers in a room. And like, what if people who identify as male are having these conversations more. Like, what would that ripple effect look like? And we notice that with the families we work with as doulas. You know, they're always, um, I don't really have a name for them, but it's like they become like birth fans, really, where they like walk into the birth experience, like, I'm going to have a baby. And then they walk out like, what just happened to me? What was that about? I feel incredibly different than I felt on the other side. And they start Mm -hmm. to look at this whole, process this reproductive event that they went through in a different way and then their eyes are open their nervous system is lit up and they're ready to explore new ideas more information and I think it's so important again it goes back to storytelling and that's why we start with that foundation of like tell us what you were born into because that matters when you come to this work and it really does it shapes all of us. And I'm definitely not saying you have to have go through birth to be shaped by that. But a reproductive event or being a part of a reproductive event definitely becomes a part of your story. It sticks with you. And so it really does affect most teens.
3: I'm wondering if you want to share a little bit about what's hopefully coming up at the conference this year. I know you mentioned the session with as children, or maybe this is now a good time to talk about how COVID 19 might be impacting your work with Born into This, also, I imagine with doula trainings. So, like, what's happening right now for you all?
1: Well, I think, you know, this space and time that we're in, in isolation with COVID 19, for a reproductive health standpoint, as, you know, Gina just mentioned her nervous system or our nervous systems. <laughs> Is very concerning because I think there's anti-abortion policies that are being threatened or anti-abortion politicians that are threatening policies and being used, I know, in Ohio and Oklahoma and Iowa and Alabama, as well as Texas, where Gina and I are now living. They're suspending people's access to abortion because they're calling it not immediately necessary. And at DTI and born into this, we think abortion, you know, is essential health care. And so this is very concerning and I'm nervous about what the ripple effect will be.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So there's this, right? Again, birth and reproductive health is political. And so there's always movement and you we always have to be watching and making sure that we're staying in the know about what we need to try to change change and be active in and be activists in. Also, doula care tends to be one-on-one and personal. So we've been working as an organization to talk about what is a virtual doula care look like. And actually, as hard as that could have been, I'm really proud of our community. I think that everyone is met the changes where they are and met their clients where they are and got on FaceTime and Zoom and been able to still have the same conversations that they would have had in person and even offering support that they would have been doing in person. And if anyone is trained and able to work in a time of crisis or in a situation that is quickly changing, that is the work of a doula. Doulas are really prepared for that. I think it took a few days to settle our nervous systems and like get back into it. But I'm seeing that happen. Yeah, like Tara said, it's very fascinating the time that we're in
2: because everything is changing so quickly. It's like every day is different. It feels like that. Actually, it feels like every day is the same, but also very different at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> but I think there's a few things that are coming up to me that I'm just in this place of staying curious and it's really affecting all of us individually. And then in our family unit, our circle of people, our profession, our country, our world, like it is such a ripple effect that COVID is really having right now. And so, you know, when people ask like, how are things going? I'm like, I'm thinking of myself, I'm thinking of my partner, I'm thinking of my kids and then my doula clients. And then DTI and born into this like it just like there's so many variables and like having to peel all of that back and I think that what I keep going to is there's this fascination I have again with like I love watching humans unfold and transform based on what's happening around them and it's really kind of fascinating what's happening with the doula profession where we're having to take a huge step back from what we know as like counter pressure and massage and holding hands (laughs) and really having to recreate the support over a computer. And it is not impossible. It's very possible. It's just different. And we've watched the doula profession morph so many times that this to me is one of those moments. And does being a good doula mean that you have to be at the actual birth or could you do a ton of support before and after and still be a quote unquote amazing doula? And I think the answer is yes to that. That's a huge conversation right now with the doula community. Like I have to be there. I have to be at the birth because that's what doulas do. And it's like, wait, what if we take a step back and break that down a little bit? Like, do you? (laughs) And so I think it's been really fascinating watching all that happen. And fortunately for us at DTI, we've had a thriving online training for about five, six years now. And so we were really fortunate and lucky that we could take our current in-person trainings over the next few months and move those to online cohorts so we can continue to train doulas and have our community. And yeah, we had that to fall back on. And It was amazing to watch our team kind of step up and be like, okay, we have that part figured out. How can we now offer support to doulas in the larger community? And again, like going back to that place of fascination is we opened up one of our online modules. It's called the Slow Doula Method, and it's a step-by-step tool that DTI has built to help doulas, really anybody, but it is called the Slow Doula Method, SDM. And it's for is like to calm themselves, ground themselves before discerning and offering support to people. And so we opened up that online webinar. I'm like looking for my words here <laughs> to folks for free. And within one week, we had 1,200 people use that course. And so it was a huge, huge indication that people out there are needing support. They're looking for guidance. They're looking for grounding. And we're all finding this new normal together.
1: I think there's one other piece to the COVID conversation I'd like to add. And, you know, there are so many inequalities in the systems that we all work within and live in. And for many years, birth professionals have been talking about birth disparities that Mm -hmm. affect Brown and black people so much more, four to five times more likely to die during childbirth or the postpartum period, which goes Mm -hmm. up to a year after you give birth, right? We know that those mortality rates are obscene. And the inequalities that we're seeing with COVID Mm -hmm. obviously mirror those. I don't think we have the data yet, but what I heard yesterday was like, you're 40% more likely to die if you're black or brown. And so the opportunity here. Is for America to start having this conversation. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what that's gonna look like in the days ahead of us. But in some way, I'm like, wow, this is the time and it's gonna happen. Mm-hmm. And it's not just gonna be birth professionals and parents from those communities talking about it. And I'm sure that it's not gonna be pretty. You know, our leadership is not prepared at all for these conversations. But hopefully that will be something that can push us forward through COVID to start rebuilding the systems that are there doing harm every day. Absolutely.
2: And I think for your listeners who are just now hearing about birth disparities for the first time, it all goes down to systemic racism. And, you know, like what Tara saying, while well, they're like digging out this new research for COVID and why it's affecting black and brown people more. It's like, that's all of us birth workers who've been doing this work for so long. That's what we're seeing. It's like, it's systemic racism. And it's funny that the language around this right now in these articles is like, we're trying to figure this out, why this is happening. And it's like, when are they going to say that part out loud?
3: (laughs) Yeah, I'm based in Chicago and that's certainly something that's happening here. So 70% of the people who have died here have been black in terms of COVID-19 related deaths. And people are certainly talking about the fact that that has to do with the deep segregation in the city, the lack of health care resources on the South side and West side, particularly.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And I would love to see more recognition of that from our mayors and governors offices, even just in our state, let alone on the national level. But I'm, I really appreciate you kind of pulling the context of birth work in there because I do think it's a place where those types of statistics have been people have been talking about them for a long time or trying to talk about them and people have been really resistant to talking about the fact that they're a result of structural and systemic racism. Mm -hmm. So that's something I think that's always important to talk about. And I'm glad that you're a training doulas who are learning about that and hopefully, I don't know, coming up with creative and innovative and, and ancient solutions to that as much as we can anyway.
1: Yeah.
3: Well thank you so much for your time thank you for being on the podcast and and telling us about your work
1: Thank you so much yeah great right. well thank you so much
2: feminist I want 50 feminist dates. I
0: want 50 feminist states. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of 50 Feminist Dates. You can find show notes at 50feministstates.com slash podcast and follow us on Instagram at Fifty feminist states special thanks to danielle signs and jessica neria for our theme song until next time wild ones we'll see you on the road